Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora mai and a big hello. I'm Alison Balance and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. How well do we know the seafloor? Marine geologist Geoffroy Lamarche from Niwa says not well at all. There are areas which are really well mapped, but they are tiny. We know very, very well about one volcano and we know very well about one shallow piece of the seafloor. But most of the remote places and even even not so remote places, like as soon as you go a few tens of kilometres from shore, we know very little. We've made a, a calculation that if you divide the oceans into square of one kilometre by one kilometre, only 18% of those cells will have a true measurement in it, a sounding of source. All the others will be either interpolated or then derived from satellite altimetry, which is very good, but not nowhere near as good as a sounding which gives you a, a very good accuracy. So if you strip away all the water, the seabed is a complex in terms of its topography, its land, isn't it? Very much so, very much so. And we see it as marine geologists and marine geophysicists. Every time we go at sea, even now around New Zealand area, we know very well. And every time we bring uh, an equipment which is more precise or more accurate than the other, we discover new features, so a new channel, a new sea mount, a new uh, false scarp. And all those have got relevance in terms of resources, in terms of environment, in terms of benthic habitat, in terms of uh, positioning of a platform infrastructure, whether it be cables or not. And so those things have got are very important to know. At the moment, for example, in the middle of the Pacific, you could have large mountains, literally mountains several hundreds metres above the seafloor, unknown. It is surprising how little we know. And there are consequences from not knowing. In early 2005, for example, the US nuclear submarine San Francisco collided at full speed with an uncharted submarine mountain or seamount near Guam. One sailor died, others were injured, and while the sub didn't sink, it was badly damaged. So knowing what lies under the surface of the sea is important. And making maps of all those features so that you and I can safely navigate is the task of the New Zealand Hydrographic Authority. It's part of Land Information New Zealand, or LINS, and is led by National Hydrographer Adam Greenland. Hydrography is the science of surveying, describing and then creating charts for bodies of water, be that lakes and rivers or the ocean. The result might be a highly detailed bathymetric chart, which is the underwater equivalent of a topographic map. Or it might be a nautical navigation chart, which is less detailed but carefully designed to ensure ships don't run into things. Making these charts is the job of hydrographic surveyor Annette Wilkinson, and when I make a visit to Linz, she pulls out an old chart of Rangunu Harbour in the far north to show me how manual the job used to be. 
So this is showing a pretty picture of what you received years and years ago. So this is from 1958, and you see people have hand-drawn soundings, and you see the data is relatively sparse, so there's only a couple of depths. But they kind of put lots of effort into color-coded, and you even have nice views of the mountain ranges so you know what the coast looks like. So at its very simplest, why do we need maps like this? So what this does, it describes the bathymetry of the seabed, and the bathymetry is the shape and depth of the seabed. And what we're looking for in particular is hazards on the seabed, so we can ensure we chart them, and the navigators and the ships know the areas to avoid, but they also know the deep water where they can take their ships um, and bring all their goods in and out of New Zealand. So for a chart like this, 1958, how did they get those depth measurements, those soundings? I think at that time I was still putting down a lead line, so they kind of had to make sure they're kind of going in a straight line with the ship, stop, put the line down, pull it back up, and there were some, some skillful people reading it and documenting it. So pretty much you drop the line until it hits the bottom? Yep. And then you can see on the piece of rope how deep it was? Correct. Pull it up, do that again? Yep. It's pretty labour-intensive, wasn't it? extremely labour intensive so while some of this may be lead line traditional lead line uh, others would be single beam acoustic echo sounders that they were used but all of this that you see in front of you here is really a kind of work of art um, and so it's all been hand drawn but now you've got a new chart as well so this is a modern representation of the paper chart however the data that this is based on still uses um, this data that was gathered in 1958 it's nice you can keep building on the original data, though. It is, and it also shows um, stood the test of time. Um, and, you know, that's quite a few years ago, and we do have this absolute work of art here. And you have then the modern equivalent, which is quite a technical piece of uh, charting um, and the way it's presented with internationally recognised standards. Um, and from that, then, you're creating electronic charts, which are the charts of the future. Am I right in thinking that the very first seafloor surveying was done by Captain Cook? Yes, he, he was um, one of the first, for sure, um, and he did an enormous amount of, of work uh, in and around um, the coast of New Zealand in terms of mapping, um, and one of the places he visited, Ship Cove, uh, over in Queen Charlotte uh, uh, Channel, um, over in Marlborough Sounds, uh, is an area we've recently mapped, uh, again, using full multi-beam surveys, so full seabed coverage. So we're just moving from the paper chart to a computer. So here, maybe starting with the 3D view. So this is quite different to what you've just seen on the paper. So you can zoom around and you kind of see a lot of detail, see lots of holes and structures, but you couldn't see with just one depth measurement. I think what's impressive is that when you make maps on land, you can take aerial photographs, you can wander around on the, on the land and, and actually see things and measure things it's just so much harder in the sea isn't it because there's all this water in the way <laughs> it is that's correct so we have mapped um in partnership with Marlborough district council the whole of queen charlotte sound and also tory channel entrance and we've done that using modern acoustic multi-beam systems which do a whole sweep of the sea floor so we so have the ship sails over the top correct yeah and pings multiple times across a swath Okay, and sort of, if you like, paints the seabed with acoustic energy. And we get the first return back, and that is the depth, and then we get other information back, uh, and that provides interesting contrast in terms of what's in the water column and also the reflectance of the seabed, and that tells us and characterises what the seabed is. So from one instrument, we can gain a lot of information which are then used to process through 
for nautical charts in this case, and also for marine habitat. What's the scale of the data you collected in Ship's Cove? So in terms of pings, and that can depend on the water depth and will depend on the water depth and the the pulse repetition rate, how fast you're sampling the seabed. But essentially, within this area, um, we've got multiple pings per metre, which means we've got full coverage and we can then detect all hazards um, on the seabed. There are some techniques, though, that allow us to see in shallow water, um, and you um, can now use satellite-derived bathymetry um, and also uh, light ranging. Um, So using pulsed lasers, you can also penetrate and uh, gather information in shallow waters. So there are complementary techniques. And does that data get collected? It comes to you. What do you do with it? We basically check if our contractor did what we asked them to do and if they kind of meet all of our specifications and then once we're happy with that we actually pass it on to the cartographers which sit more at the, the other end and they actually produce and update our chart products so nowadays they will start with the ENC ENC being an electronic nautical chart we now have 100% coverage of all New Zealand waters with electronic navigational charts or ENCs and these are used on board ships and on board ships computer systems for uh, their navigation uh, and that's seamless around the world. We just recently released a new talk on our webpage showing spatially our, the extents of our ENCs. So I think what's surprising to many is the extent of coverage that we have. Our charting coverage extends through southwest Pacific, um, through Tonga and Cook Islands and Samoa, down through New Zealand um, and then down into South Antarctica and um, into the Ross Sea. So we have quite an extensive area of charting coverage where we publish and maintain official charts, nautical charts for New Zealand, and they come at a very uh, a wide variety of scales, some of which are used for planning purposes and passage planning, others of which are used Um, for going in and out of ports and harbours and actually berthing ships alongside as well. Well, as well as these shallow coastal waters, we have the second deepest ocean trench, isn't it, the Kumadek Trench? So, I mean, how well do we know that? How do you go about surveying that? Well, you would use some very low-frequency multi-beam echo sounders, and that is what has been done. So it's not mapped um, from the surface at a high resolution. In addition to that, you can use um, autonomous underwater vehicles and they can use that kind of technology and they'll get closer to the bottom um, and they'll be able to map features then and the seabed in much higher resolution. So there's multiple ways in which you can map both from the surface but also from little underwater midget submarines, if you like. In the end, so once all the processes are done, we also kind of make this data available to other people to use it. So, for instance transport agencies use it when they have to rebuild roads along the coast like they did in Kakura so they use the data to do some modelling to kind of make a better design so we have something called the bathymetry index so bathymetry is basically the depth data we collect we call it bathymetry and you can go in our LINS data service and type in bathy index and you find the extents of surveys we have But we're also looking at how this data might be used in coastal mapping projects and joining land and sea and having seamless mapping um, from land into the sea. Um, And we're looking at programmes of work, how we might do that, because 
that is going to impact uh, New Zealand in the future in terms of climate change, um, in terms of uh, what's happening in terms of the coast um, and tsunami inundation. Just thinking of natural events and thinking of your mention of Kaikoura, obviously some of the seafloor around there changed rather dramatically as a result of the big earthquake, particularly things like the canyon. Well, yes, that's true. So uh, we also um, imaged the uh, Papatea Fault, um, and that shows very distinctively um, on some of the sonar imagery that we have collected. So in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, we were very fortunate in that we could access laser bathymetry from Australia, from the Australian Defence Service, and they did a a survey for us and they provided that data and that data was stitched in with data from the topographic side um, and the land side and to produce a seamless map and they were able to use that data in their initial assessments for the roading and the slipping. And now we've done a more detailed and more controlled survey um, and you can clearly see um, the faults there um, and how that extends and propagates offshore. And that's hugely exciting for us and for New Zealand. Adam is also very excited about a new international mapping project called Seabed 2030. It's a global initiative, and that's through the General Bathymetric Chart of the Oceans. So the acronym for that is JEBCO. Um, And so for 100 years now plus, JEBCO has been in existence um, to map the seafloor. And they produce a number of grids for the seafloor, which show the bathymetry of the seafloor. Currently that's very coarse um, and hasn't been properly um, mapped. Um, And so this project is, over the next 10, 20 years now, to fully map the seafloor to a higher resolution because many areas of the seafloor are not mapped at all directly. And so there's a lot that lies beneath that needs to be revealed. It's kind of like that old saying that we know space better than we do our own oceans? Well, we, we do. We've mapped Mars, the Moon and other planets to a higher resolution, a better coverage than we know and, and have mapped our ocean beds to. Um, so it's about time we started mapping our own Earth. And considering that the Earth is 70% covered in water, I think we should be call, calling it water rather than Earth. The New Zealand contribution to Seabed 2030 will be jointly managed by Linz, GNS Science and NIWA, where Geoffroy, who we heard from earlier, will coordinate the initial data collection. The Seabed 2030 will be divided into four centres, the Arctic and Northeast Pacific Ocean, the Southern Ocean and Antarctic, the Atlantic and Indian Ocean, and then the fourth centre will be the South and West Pacific. It's about 124 million square kilometres. It includes the two deepest trench in the world, the Kermadec Trench, which we always call because it's in our water in New Zealand, and the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest by, uh, about, I think, 10.8 kilometres deep. We've got a very remote area in the, in the middle of the South Pacific. We've got estuary, estuaries, and we've got shallow seas, and we've got small developing states like... Tonga and Fiji and Samoa and we've got China. So the diversity in geographically, economically, geomorphologically is, is incredible. So how are you going to do it? So there are several initiatives. The, the first one that we're starting to is to gather all the data available. We know that there are a lot of data around that we are not aware of. So there are the data that have been used by JEPCO. Then we need to ask everyone, have you got data in your back drawer and your bottom drawer there that you've never used? Oh, yes, that's true, I've got those data. So we need to do what we call a gap analysis to start with. 
Then we need to go to private organization, private sector. So the surveying organization, the like of Frugro, the oil and gas company, the, the, and say, look, you must have some data that belongs to clown, but they're old and they are happy to release it to the public. So we need to negotiate to those people. And they say, yeah, you can have our data. Then we need to go to the Navy. They have a lot of data. And we can say to the Navy, look, we want your data. We don't want the one meter by one meter, which have got some really high... Uh, sensitivity, of course, we understand that. But why don't you degrade it and give us a 400 by 400? Because that's what we want. So that's the first thing, gather the data that already exists. And that will take some time. Then it's to acquire new data. So for that, we've already started is to try to develop what we call crowdsourcing, so having everyone involved. The first one we want to involve are really the industry, uh, the surveying industry, which are vessels that goes at sea all the time almost 360 days a year, those vessels go from one point to the other, whether they be surveyor, cruise ship, container ship, fishing industry. And those ones, they always have some sort of echo sounder on them. So we want those people to give us their data, at least in transit. Sometimes they do thousands of kilometers, and usually they don't turn their echo sounder or they don't turn their um, acoustic sounder on because why would we collect data when no one wants them? So we say, look, Turn it on, we take those data. Uh, and actually, Fugro has already accepted. In two months, they've already given us around 200,000 square kilometers of data. We know that Ocean Infinity has given us the data they've, they've collected over the MH370, the, the Malaysian airline flight. So let's just pause there because that's actually quite a well-known example of when that plane went missing and they started searching for it in the Indian Ocean. Suddenly, for the first time, I think the general public realised that there's a really complex seafloor out there. We know almost nothing about it. Two companies, Fugro and Ocean Infinity, two of the most sophisticated and most well-equipped companies went there to look for it. And the detail, the detail that they, they brought up with their map were fantastic. The scientists were very excited. Okay, they didn't find the, the wreck and that was a shame, but the detail for science was amazing. And one of the bigger winners will be the science community. Thanks, Geoffroy. Geoffroy Lamarche is a geologist at Niwa and the University of Auckland. We also heard from Annette Wilkinson, a hydrographic surveyor at Linz, and Adam Greenland, who's the national hydrographer with the New Zealand Hydrographic Authority. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 28th of June 2018. Our webpage is rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You can find all our stories there and sign up for our weekly email newsletter as well. If you'd like to subscribe to us as a podcast, we are in all the usual places. Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public. RNZ has a new murder mystery podcast series, Gone Fishing. It comes with the tagline, Mayhem, Murder. Maybe. Check it out. We are RNZ Science on Facebook and Twitter. Do stay in touch. Thanks for your company. Bye for now. Matewa.